Thanks for joining me here on the Bare Bones Yoga Podcast, Conversations for Yoga Teachers. My name is Karen Fabian, the founder of Bare Bones Yoga. I'm a yoga teacher and educator, and my goal here is to provide you, the yoga teacher, with interesting, compelling content designed to pique your interest in teaching, help you grow as a teacher, and support you on your path to sharing this wonderful practice with your students. I've been teaching for over 14 years, and through my classes, workshops, online courses, books, and other content, I focus on the anatomy of yoga and how teachers can learn this complex subject and present it to their students in an understandable way, all designed to help them bring more impact to their teaching. Even though we're not in the same room, I want you to envision for each episode that we've sat down for tea in a cozy coffee shop. Some days we'll talk about technical teaching topics. Some days we might have a teacher friend join in on the conversation. And other days we'll face some of the personal challenges that can come up when we take on the journey of a yoga teacher, knowing that the more authentic we can be, the more we can impact others. For more information about my products and programs and to contact me at any time, please visit my website at barebonesyoga.com. Let's get into today's episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Bare Bones Yoga Podcast, Conversations for Yoga Teachers. This is episode three, and once again, I'm going to say it, it's probably been said a lot on other podcasts you listen to, but it is the truth. I am so excited to be here to do this episode. Um, Every time I have a podcast scheduled at this point, this is number three, like I said, and I'm doing them uh, every two weeks. I'm actually hoping I can do them every week, but, um, but for now, every two weeks, and I get so excited just thinking about what's the next topic I'm gonna do and what do I wanna share with you all. So thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. And in this episode three, we're going to dive into a conversation that is near and dear to my heart, and that is building a yoga business. Now, for those of you who connected with me because of my love of anatomy and all that I share and create um, to teach you about the anatomy of yoga, uh, I'm still doing that, (laughs) Uh, and that is a huge passion of mine. Along with that, though, helping teachers grow their own business uh, is a huge passion, too. And today we're going to talk first about business mindset, and then we'll talk about business and teaching techniques. We're going to cover both, both ends of the spectrum. So what does that mean, right, when we talk about yoga business, business mindset? So before we get into the details, because there are details, <laughs> I want you to close your eyes for a moment and try this visualization. Imagine yourself teaching yoga in a way that is what you would define to be your highest good. Meaning teaching in this way would be the fullest expression of your passion, your skill, and your knowledge around yoga. It would also allow you to most fully support your students. What would you be doing? What would you be saying? (laughs) What techniques would you be using and where would you be teaching? What kinds of teaching opportunities would just flow to you with ease? 
And if all those things were in place, how would you feel? So much of what I teach is detail-oriented, be it anatomy or the learning how to create a yoga business. And there are a lot of details to both of those subjects. So it's so important with things like this that you start out with your vision. Starting out with your vision helps you connect to the endpoint. It reminds me of that statement. I don't know if you've read um, an older book, but a, a classic book by Stephen Covey called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And he talks in that book about beginning with the end in mind. And, you know, think about that. If we don't do that, we often get bogged down in the details without kind of that overall sense of, you know, what's that North Star that's out there guiding us. So I want you to stay connected to that vision, um, not only as I get into more details here on the podcast, but just as you're moving about your day, as you're moving about your teaching, um, just staying connected to that idea. So now that we've covered that and you've got a vision in mind, let's start to get into the details. And one more thing about the vision, I, I don't want to forget to tell you this, it can change. It will change. You know, I, I wouldn't get too overly concerned about all the details of it. It's just more important at this point that you get a general vibe, a general picture of what you wish to create. You know, if you're a newer teacher, this might be something you're building from the ground up. If you're a more established teacher, it might be something you'd like to shift into from where you are now to where you'd like to be. So either scenario or maybe something else. So now that we've kind of set the stage, I want to start out with a story, a personal story. And this is something that is seared in my memory, even though it happened 12 years ago in 2006. I had left my corporate career, which at that point had included clinical work in healthcare and also several years working on the business side of healthcare. And I had had my own kind of moment of finding yoga. And I talked about this in the, in the first podcast, episode one, and that was back in 1999 for me. And after finishing my first teacher training in 2002, I started teaching yoga part-time. And part-time for me at that point really amounted to one or two classes a week at local gyms because back then there, there weren't a lot of studios out there. And after some years of working and teaching part-time, I engineered a plan to leave my corporate career to teach full-time. And that, you know, how I did that and what I planned is a whole story of its own, which I cover in detail in my first book called Stretched build your yoga business, grow your teaching techniques. But I'll just, for now, just kind of say I, I created a plan and implemented it, and that was how I left my, my corporate job to teach full-time. And at that point, I was teaching at the Baptiste Studios in Boston, and I also worked behind the scenes on several business initiatives for the company. And I loved the work, and I loved teaching. And things were so new back then. It's funny, I remember... The other day, I was thinking about some of the things I did, you know, behind the scenes, and I was um, working with Barron to write one of the first procedure manuals that involved the certification program, which now is a very established program. And so it's just interesting to kind of think back to some of the things that were just kind of ideas and just starting out back back in the day. 
And, you know, at that point, even though I loved what I was doing, the challenge for me was making it work financially. And as much as I loved what I was doing, I just couldn't make ends meet. And I felt like a loser. I felt like to give up what I loved was a sign that I failed. But I was dipping into this business loan that I had to supplement my teaching income. And the amount of money I was taking out of that business loan, and it was I think it was an interest-only thing. So that debt was building up to thousands of dollars. I, I think at one point it was, some for some reason in my memory, $30,000 sticks in my brain. But um, if it wasn't that, it was, it was a lot. And the memory I have, um, which again is just so clear in my mind, is of me in my apartment talking to my parents on the phone. And, you know, my, my parents, gosh, you know, throughout my whole journey of going to school, undergrad, thinking I wanted to be a physical therapist, and then moving into rehab counseling, and then thinking I wanted to go to grad school to be a social worker, and then saying, no, I don't think I want to do that. And then going back to grad school and working on the business side of healthcare, you know, it was all these different things. And then moving into full-time yoga teacher. And, and they always supported me. They always had my back and listened to my ups and downs. So on this day, I stood in my bedroom on the phone with them. And honest to God, I can remember this as clear as day saying to them, but I don't want to stop teaching yoga. It's my passion and it's what I'm meant to do. And my dad was like, well, it just doesn't seem to be working out financially. And that was, that was it. He was right. The way it was set up and the way I was doing it at that point was just not working. And there was no amount of positive thinking that would get me moving in the right direction. And I knew I had to make a change. So at that point, I contacted my old boss and he offered me a job back. And I remember he joked and he said, are you all done with that yoga stuff? And in my heart, I knew that wasn't the case, although I also knew that something had to change. And so I went back to a corporate position and I went back to teaching just a few classes a week because I knew that somehow if I stopped teaching, I'd lose the skill and I'd lose, you know, just that feeling of openness that you need to be able to teach. So that kind of being open, being in front of people, being open-hearted, kind of being in that giving mode. So that's what I did for four years. I taught part-time, I paid off the debt, I took trainings on the side, I blogged about yoga, I started a little blog, I took classes, I did whatever I could to stay current and to stay up to date while figuring out what I could do differently to get back into teaching full-time. And I had this thought that if I could do it all on my own, like my own way, I would have the freedom to create something on my own. And this really intrigued me, this idea of making it, you know, a personal brand, a personalized experience to me, how I wanted to present yoga and what opportunities I wanted to pursue. And so as all this was brewing in my head um, and I was teaching part-time and working full-time, there, you know, the economy was, was starting to crumble. And if you were kind of in the workforce back in 2008, 2009, you know, of course, what was happening. There were a lot of layoffs. So when the company I was working for went through a number of layoffs, I was one of the people affected and I lost my job. And I did at that point what a lot of people did. I started my own business. I, I said, this is the perfect time to do it. And I talked about the ins and outs of those initial months in episode one um, of this podcast. And suffice it to say, that time in October 2010 was the birth of my own brand and yoga business, Bare Bones Yoga. 
and I've been running it ever since. So I share this story with you to demonstrate a few things. So the first thing is, things are not always as they seem. You know, you may look at a teacher you admire and make a lot of assumptions about how they got to where you think they are. And you'll never really know unless they tell you what their path has been. And you'll never really know what things really are like for them unless you ask them. And, you know, these stories in our past, you know, especially this quote unquote story for me, can really become ingrained in our way of being. And in a lot of cases can hold us back. You know, in my case, the failure I felt at that point, you know, I didn't look at it as a learning. I didn't look at it as a lesson. I looked at it as a failure. You know, the failure I felt in having to go back to work because I couldn't make teaching full-time work out, it dragged me down for years. In fact, I only feel like very recently in my work with a personal coach, I only feel, feel really now that I've finally been able to let go of the baggage that I associated with that memory. And, you know, this is an important lesson in business because if we are to create our own path, our own business, we have to be able to withstand the ups and downs and not assign so much weight or meaning to each thing. We need to be able to take the lesson if there's one there for us to take and move on. I remember yesterday I was listening to a podcast, another podcast, (laughs) um, by Tony Robbins, and it was audio of him at one of his most recent um, seminars. And he was talking to this business owner, and she was really stuck in something around her business and why the business wasn't growing. And, you know, she kind of was stuck in a particular way of thinking. And he was trying to make the point to her that one of the things business owners need need to learn is when something doesn't work, try something different and try something different and just keep kind of going through that iterative process until you find what works. And I think that that really requires that we be very flexible and we take these things as learnings so that we can just keep moving forward. And so that's certainly a lesson that anyone in business can use and certainly, and you know, if you're running a yoga business as well. You know, we can think of the right way as a straight line, like an A to Z path. And I, I think, don't you kind of sometimes feel like that, that you think, oh, I'm going to start doing this and it's just going to be sequential. I'm going to get to this end point, whatever that vision is that you might have thought about at the beginning of this conversation we're having. Um, but many times, I can tell you from my own experience, it's a, it's a rather wavy line <laughs> with many ups and downs, um, different scenarios we're going through, trial and error and all of it. If we go uh, the way of following our passion, especially if that includes working on our own as an entrepreneur, it will most definitely be a variable path. And that's why it's so important to keep that overall vision in mind. You know, that will keep you anchored to why you're doing what you're doing. And, you know, I really want to emphasize here before we go much further, there are many ways to blend yoga into your life and work towards having it be your quote unquote full-time gig. Try not to get too attached to this idea of giving up everything in order to only teach yoga. This can be a challenging transition when you're starting from baseline to working to build up your teaching portfolio. So I really encourage you to keep an open mind to mixing in other things, staying with what you have maybe now, adding teaching opportunities onto what you're currently doing, and being smart about when you can start to let go of some of these more traditional uh, things in order to 
more fully pursue yoga teaching. In fact, even though it's not my ideal scenario, I work at a coffee shop a few mornings a week to help pay for my health insurance. So keep an open mind to your broader goal because if you get attached, you'll only build up a whole new story that will create endless frustration for you. So let's let's kind of stop here and let's take a moment to define, at least for purposes of this conversation, what a yoga business is. So for purposes of our discussion, I'm talking about an entity, an enterprise, whose sole purpose is providing yoga in various forms and in various settings. So it might include yoga classes, it might include different age groups or specialty groups, it might include online programs, products, books, and free content. Um, it's a little different format than if you're going to go into studio-based yoga, so owning a studio, although of course that's one of the many variations on the idea. Although here I'm talking more about an independent teacher who wants to primarily teach as their main source of income. And the business comes from teaching classes, of course, and then a lot of other things that can be included, some of the some of the things I just mentioned earlier. And they need to be included in order for the teacher to have a sustainable enterprise. So let me say this again, just to remind you before we go much further, teaching part-time while working full-time is also a possible arrangement even if it's a stepping stone to eventually leaving your full-time job, there are many good reasons to keep your full-time job while you build up your yoga business. So let's dive in deeper here and let's look at three themes of struggle we can bring to building a business as well as three themes of ease that would make our journey more of an expression of why we started teaching in the first place because we love yoga and we love being of service to people and sharing this wonderful practice. So I wanted to start here because this mindset piece is so key to establishing before we get into all the details. It's similar to how I asked you to start out with the overall vision for your business, that how you see yourself and how you feel when you're doing everything in your business that you were destined to do. So let's go into some of these themes of struggle. So the first one is, there are too many yoga teachers out there and I'm too late to start a yoga business. So <laughs> I did a quick Google search yesterday um, to, to find out what Google would say in regards to how many yoga teachers are out there. And I found a study in 2015 that said there were over 50,000 instructors. So I'm sure at this point there's, you know, probably much more than that, 60, 70,000, whatever, something along those lines. So yes, there are definitely a lot of teachers. And, you know, there's no denying that it's harder today to find a teaching gig because there are just more people looking for jobs. Um, and it's also an interesting stat to look at um, in terms of, you know, not only that there are more yoga teachers, there are just more, you know, studios and gyms and fitness studios and other specialty locations that offer yoga. So the good news is the reality is yoga, as old of a practice as it is, it continues to be a fundamental way that people exercise and there will continue to be a need for yoga teachers. The challenge for each teacher who wishes to expand their teaching portfolio is what? It's to find, it's to find those opportunities to teach. 
And this is part of what we're going to talk about today. You know, the bottom line is this. There are more opportunities now, and you just need to find them. Or, and this gets back to what I was saying earlier about doing things on your own, maybe you create them on your own. You know, it's not too late. And I, and I want you to really kind of stay positive around that thought. The growth of yoga studios, you know, even when you just maybe look in your own area, uh, I know here in Boston, there are always new yoga studios going up and that, um, even though it creates uh, more competition, um, healthy competition uh, for students, it does demonstrate that there continues to be a need and an interest in yoga as a practice. So let's look at another one, themes of struggle. Here's another one. There is no way I'm going to make enough money just teaching classes. Well, to that I would say, it depends. (laughs) And maybe you'd say, on what? What does it depend on? Well, it depends on how much you want or need to make, right? It's all relative. While at face value that statement might be true, in other cases it might not. So think of a yoga teacher who is the primary teacher at a studio and teaches two classes a day, five days a week, and is paid $100 a class. Just with that income alone, that would be almost $50,000 a year, 48K. $200 a day, five days a week, $4,000 a month, 48K a year. Now, I know what you're going to say. Who's getting paid $100 a class? And I hear you, right? I hear you on that. So first of all, what I'm going to say is there are definitely teachers out there making $100 a class and maybe even more, but that's not something that people talk about, right? I don't know if we should. Should we be talking about how much teachers are being paid? I don't know. Um, But secondly, and more importantly, what I'm really trying to get you to start to think about is a systematic way to determine what you need in order to live comfortably if you were teaching yoga primarily, And we're going to get into that today. So the next theme of struggle is it's going to be really hard to figure out all the technical details around things like building a website, making videos, running social media channels, and all of that. And to that, I'd say, well, it depends. Let's say you're somebody who has a technical background, or maybe you have friends or family who have that background in their in their skill set and they can help you or maybe you think about hiring someone to take on some of the pieces you're not familiar with any and all of these things are going to decrease the pain factor that just naturally comes with some of this technical stuff the reality is though it's become part of running any business, yoga or otherwise. And the good news is that all of these things, whether it's your website presence or social media activity, it gives you a megaphone to reach more people. Thank God we have that as solopreneurs, as entrepreneurs, or it takes us a lot longer to get our message out there for sure. You know, the reality is you'll get better at things over time. And the best approach is one where you're going to take things one step at a time rather than trying to do everything all at once. So things like set up a website, set up a Facebook page, and build a mailing list you know, build the infrastructure to capture people's names who want to stay connected with you. I work with entrepreneurs one-on-one and coach them through setting up their businesses, both on the virtual side and the in-person side. And in, you know, both my workshops and one-on-one sessions, I break it down into digestible pieces. And I really 
think that that's one of the best ways to do it. So now that we've talked about, you know, those those themes of struggle, let's talk about some positive things. <laughs> let's talk about some themes of ease. So the first one is, there is no one else out there that can teach the way I do. So just take a moment and just see if you really believe that. There's no one else out there that can teach yoga the way you do. So yes, on some level, the reality is there are a lot of teachers, but there is only your way of presenting yoga because it comes through your heart, your mind, your soul, and your spirit. It's born of your experience as a student, your background as a teacher, what you choose to emphasize, how your voice sounds, and everything about your physical presence. If you listen to episode two, and you can go listen to it on the website after this one if you'd like, um, I shared on that on that episode the impact a new teacher made on me in my teacher training, that, that first or second teacher training in 2002 or 2003. And it was that long ago, and to this day, I still feel her impact. So please don't ever get so bogged down in the details that you forget that the essence of you is what makes your teaching unique. So another theme of ease I'm going to suggest maybe that you keep in mind is, is this. I will keep an open mind to different ways to share my love of yoga and in different formats, keeping my eye on the details, financial and otherwise, that go with each opportunity. So this is related to what I was talking about before, that idea of relaxing your focus on this, what you think a yoga teacher career looks like. And I know it's hard. I mean, I'm on Instagram, you're on Instagram, Facebook, whatever other kind of social media. We see people doing, you know, different things we want to do and we get fixated on this kind of perceived lifestyle that they have that we want. And there's nothing to say that you can't create that lifestyle. Although I'll tell you, you may find out if you get there and figure out what the details are of what's involved, maybe it's not all it's cracked up to be. Did you ever think of that? I don't know. The point here is to relax as you begin or even as you're changing up what you already have. Be open to different ways of sharing yoga in different places, in different spaces, rather than being rigid and thinking there's only one way to do it. You know, I can share a quick story here um, with you that relates to this idea. I remember... (laughs) Many years ago, after I'd left my corporate job the first time, like I was saying before, I was approached by the Boston Globe, and they were doing an article on yoga teachers. And I was very new as a teacher at that point, and I was super caught up, I'm kind of embarrassed to even say it, but I was super caught up in this image of a yoga teacher. You know, I had the bag to carry my mat, my special notebook, the laptop, the schedule book. I had all the things, right? All the things that I thought were part of a teaching lifestyle. And I remember they did this photo shoot and I was like walking into the studio and I was laughing and I had my recyclable cup, whatever it was. And I still have that image in my mind of that picture. And all I can say is, I mean, I kind of want to say what a joke. I mean, I know my heart was in it at the point, at the time. But looking back, I mean, I had no idea how how naive I was. And 
And I kind of thought I had it all figured out. So I will say, just keep an open mind, friends. Stay humble, stay open, and you know, you'll just have much less stress for yourself in the long run. So the last theme of ease that I want to suggest is learning new things is possible for me. So it really all boils down to this. Um, I can share, you know, most recently something that happened to me that really brought this point home. Um, I just a couple weeks ago came home from a week-long training with Tiffany Cruikshank on myofascial release, right? So we talked a lot about the anatomy, had lectures every day about anatomy, and um, then applied that knowledge to using uh, MFR balls, massage balls, and foam rollers, and the different techniques involved, and the properties of fascia, and all of it. It was excellent. Um, But I can tell you, you know, a few years ago, I would have never thought that um, using those tools would work in a general yoga class. I was, you know, kind of closed off to that idea. Uh, But after going to this training, I'm already integrating it into my teaching as best I can without the tools besides blocks. And I'm talking to some of my partner studios about offering some classes where we actually bring the props in. So there's a perfect example of something that I was, I was, and I'm kind of embarrassed to say I was closed off to it as an idea, but I, I went to this training and it really was a light bulb over my head that not only is this easy to integrate into classes, but it's really, really valuable information that people should know about um, in terms of self-care for their muscles, for their body, for their fascia. So, you know, just this idea of learning new things being possible. If you're holding on to, you know, these old school ways of learning and sharing yoga, it will be hard for you to build a business. So now that we've gone through the mindset themes of both struggle and ease, Let's briefly touch on some of the business and teaching strategies. And all of these um, business and teaching strategies come from my first book, which I mentioned before, it's called Stretched. Build your yoga business, grow your teaching techniques. And you can find it on Amazon and also read reviews about it. I've been really fortunate to have good reviews um, from teachers, many of whom I don't know, um, who have taken the time to write reviews on Amazon about it. And I wrote that book out of an interest in sharing, you know, these lessons and much more with teachers in large part because I saw a need for a voice to be had to the business aspects of teaching. And I wanted to share what had worked for me and what had not. So we're going to go into here some of the business topics. Okay, we talked about themes of struggle, themes of ease. Now we're talking about the business. So this first concept I want to share with you is the concept of a business dashboard. And let's start this out by thinking back to when I mentioned earlier the idea of the teacher who is making $100 a class and teaches two classes a day, five days a week. And you may have reacted one way or another when you heard that. And And at this point, there's no way to really assess if that's good or bad unless you have a frame of reference. And the frame of reference is your situation. You know, I don't know, maybe you have an inheritance and you don't need to make a lot of money teaching yoga. Maybe you've saved a ton of money when you sold real estate in your past and you can teach for fun. Maybe your partner makes a great living and teaching for you is just a kind of on the side thing. 
the bottom line is it depends on the person. And I know it seems kind of obvious, but I, I really need to, I really want to state that. So this is where this idea of a business dashboard that I created comes into play. I built this format myself to track my own revenue projections, and I shared it in my book as a tool to help teachers. And while it's best to review it in my book, Stretch, it's kind of hard to do it over the podcast, I'm going to walk you through the concept here. It's basically a spreadsheet where you start with what I call your dream number. This is the number, this is the dollar figure that you want to earn in order to cover your expenses, contribute to savings, and do fun stuff, right? So it's not just, I need $4,000 a month to pay all my bills. It's with that other, those other pieces mixed in. So that's your dream number. You then work backwards and identify what you need to do in terms of teaching activities in order to hit that number. And what you'll most likely quickly see when you go through this exercise is teaching alone, like teaching studio classes alone, might not cut it. So maybe you'll add in other things like privates or corporate yoga or building partnerships, doing wellness presentations, creating products. The point is you'll start to get real <laughs> and get off Instagram. <laughs> Just joking, but you get my point. And, but this is where you'll start to see what it's going to take. And, and this spreadsheet also has different tabs where you list the different business initiatives, whether it's studio teaching, corporate yoga, children's yoga, you know, privates, all those kinds of things. So this is also where you might decide that it makes sense to transition over time. And we already established, that's fine. The point is, in doing this exercise, you're moving from this pie-in-the-sky thinking to thinking practically. Although, remember, you've still got your vision in mind, you know, where we started out today, this conversation at the beginning of the conversation. And I encourage you, please, please, meditate on that vision every day. And I can tell you, I did not. I lost track of my vision and got super mired in all the financial details for many years and I was miserable. So, you know, I've very recently made the shift back to this idea of keeping that that daily meditation, that daily connection to my overall vision in mind. And I can tell you it's it's really made a big difference in my overall stress level, how relaxed I am, how positive I am about my own, you know, future in this industry. So keep that in mind. For, you know, this idea of this business dashboard, I'm actually going to give you a, a way that you can get to it without the book. So for the exact format of the business dashboard, you can go to, there's a, there's a page on my website called a landing page. So it's not just barebonesyoga.com. It's the precursor page that if you're a first-time visitor, you hit first. And you can just put this in your, <clears throat> your browser, uh, barebonesyoga.com backslash landing, L-A-N-D-I-N-G. And that landing page is going to present you with three things you can download. And in the box called, do you want to start a, or do you want to build your yoga business? You're going to get an opportunity to download a sample business dashboard. And you'll see the format and you can build one yourself. So that's this idea of a business dashboard. And I can tell you, you know, a lot of times I'll talk to folks 
um, to teachers when they first come back from a teacher training and they're super psyched and, you know, they're all gung ho to quit their corporate job. And, you know, and I walk them through this exercise and they kind of have an whole, they kind of have a, oh my God moment, right? Where they're like, oh my God, <laughs> I didn't realize that it's going to take quite a bit of legwork to get things up and running so I can leave my current job. And, you know, that's a good thing. I don't want you to think of that as a bad thing. I want you to think of it as kind of the smart, pragmatic way to make the transition and to build a business. Um, But again, you're going to keep meditating on your vision. You're going to keep that positive um, thought in the forefront of your mind so that regardless of the details, you keep that close to heart. So the next business topic I want to, I want to talk about is this idea of your rate, setting your rate. You know, it always amazes me when a teacher sends me an email to ask me what their rate should be. I I mean, I want to write them back and say, how do do I know what your rate should be? You know, I'm being a little tongue in cheek here to make a point. What I'm trying to suggest here is if you don't know your rate, chances are you're not going to be able to build a successful business. Now, what goes into your rate involves a number of factors, some of which we'll talk about here. Um, You know, I encourage you to go through this exercise rather than being kind of this cork in the ocean, letting outside forces determine what you're paid. Now, does having a rate mean you always get that rate? No, but it gives you a starting point for negotiation and a rational way to decide what you wanna do. So let's cover a few things that should factor into your rate. So the first one is your experience. Things like how long have you been teaching? Another uh, criteria could be where you live. That might factor in somewhat in terms of market demands, market forces. Another factor might be the nature of the opportunity. Is it a regular class, a private session, corporate yoga, or something else? If the opportunity is a specialty one for a special group, maybe it requires special equipment, expertise, or travel, you know, you can see there are a number of things that come into play. The idea is that you'd have a rate sheet that you'd use uh, that would outline your rates for different things. So take me, for instance. I teach, in addition to studio classes and other things, I teach corporate yoga and children's yoga. And I have set rates for these activities. And I have a starting point so that when people approach me to talk to me about an opportunity uh, in these areas, I have a starting point to have those conversations. It's not like I have to say, oh, I have to get back to you and everything. I have a, you know, kind of have these figures at the tip of my tongue. And I go into this a, a lot more in the book. So let me also say in general... Think outside the box when looking for teaching opportunities. You know, once you step outside the studio environment, you have a better chance of setting the rate for your services. Inside the studio world, you have less leverage because there are a lot of teachers looking for opportunities to teach. This isn't good or bad, it just is. And I don't want you to get kind of super hung up on that. The reality is the more you can supplement your studio teaching with private students and opportunities you book yourself, the more you'll be able to fill in your business dashboard with a variety of pay rates for your classes. And when you go through that exercise of that business dashboard, you'll see that it's probably going to be important for you to have that variability around your pay rate rather than having your ultimate vision being all studio classes and workshops where the studio class pay rate is probably pretty consistent from place to place. 
The other thing that I want you to think about is what you can do to leverage the power of the internet to reach more people. And this is where we talk about this idea, this business concept um, of scalability. You know, yoga teachers, independent yoga teachers, there's only one of you. You can only be one place at one time. But when we start to think about scaling our yoga businesses, we start to think about things like leveraging the internet, right, so that we can reach more people. Things like YouTube, Facebook Live to market your classes, to get the word out, that megaphone idea I talked about earlier. Using Facebook groups, even to just create a local group to market to and support with yoga-related content. Maybe writing an ebook to share your knowledge and then moving to the more complex, maybe writing a book eventually or an online course. These things become either products you can sell, so there's that scalability, and also become ways for you to build your own community. So now that we've covered some of these business topics, let's cover some teaching topics. And again, this keeps with the format of the book stretched. I had um, it's build your yoga business, grow your teaching techniques. So we just talked about some of these business topics. So now we're going to talk about some teaching techniques. So the first one is find your style and stick to it. Oh, please, please, please. <laughs> it is so important to find your lane and stay in it. This can be really hard for teachers because there is so much out there on social media that can influence our teaching. You know, we might also love a particular teacher and be thinking it makes sense to teach like that person. You know, remember how we started earlier, no one can teach like you can. So decide what's important to you about yoga, what presentation speaks to you, and stick with that. It gives you a place to start that's coming from an authentic place. It doesn't mean you won't change your way of teaching over time. It simply means you're sticking with what allows you to share what you love about yoga in a way that feels authentic and real to you. Who wants to get up in front of a yoga class and pretend to be someone else? I guarantee your students will feel that it's off as well. So the other thing is to use essential language. You know, the next thing I go into in the book is this idea of essential language. It refers to the concept of saying what you need to say and then moving on. It refers to the cues you use, how effective they are, how much they resonate with your students. It's a universal principle of teaching yoga because if what we're saying isn't getting through the mental chatter of our students, it's going to be really hard to get the most out of the experience or for them to get the most out of the experience. And I share a lot of this in the book as well as some webinars on my um, website that are all about cueing. And then the last thing is to be present first and always. You know, the reality is unless we're present as yoga teachers, we can't be effective and helpful to our students. I know as teachers, you know what that means. I know you know what being present means. But just to kind of reiterate, it means you're free of distractions, like thinking about your finances or all the things on your to-do list. It means you're looking at your students, you're adjusting your cues based on what you see instead of some script in your head. It means you're breathing with the class and to some extent, you know, you're, you're kind of keeping up with that breath cycle so you can adjust your pacing as it fits what's happening. 
You know, I'm sure there are a number of other things that come to mind. Does it mean that you live in some pie-in-the-sky nirvana and have no challenges in your life? Of course not. It simply means that just as you would do on your own yoga mat, you make the intentional choice to put all of that aside so that you can focus on the practice. The more you can do this for your students, the better they'll be supported by you as you teach to do the same. So we're going to wrap up here and I want to just kind of give you some closing thoughts. You know, we've covered a lot of ground here today. So a few things before we wrap up. First thing is, I know I mentioned before my landing page where you can get the business dashboard. And that URL again is barebonejoga.com backslash landing. When you visit that page, you'll see three things you can download. The box that says build your business as a yoga teacher will give you a link to download the business dashboard I referred to earlier. The second thing is, because I've mentioned my book, Stretched, Build Your Yoga Business, Grow Your Teaching Techniques, quite a bit here today, I want to give you a chance to get it from me through a special offer. You can most certainly order it on Amazon, or at least check it out there so you can see what other teachers have said about the book. It's $24 on Amazon, and I'd like to offer it to you today uh, via a podcast special special offer for $20. To get it from me for $20, don't order it on Amazon, <laughs> just send me an email to karen at barebonesyoga.com. Uh, you can even just go to the website and hit the contact box. And tell me you listened to the podcast and you'd like the book. I'll send you a PayPal invoice and mail it to you for $20. Shipping will be free in the U.S., but will apply outside the U.S. So again, you want the book for 20 versus 24, just send me an email. The other thing is my website, barebonejoga.com. You know, as a teacher for teachers, there are tons of resources on there. I'm going to direct you to one specific one, my Learn Anatomy Challenge. It's right on the homepage. It's a free video series that walks you through uh, key concepts in anatomy. So you just go on the homepage. It's right towards the middle. And lastly, if you're in or near Boston, I have three workshops coming up. In September, I'm doing a shoulder workshop, uh, building shoulder strength for arm balances. I'm doing that again in October. And I'm also doing a fundamentals workshop in October. And all of those are on my website. So thank you so much for listening. I'd love to hear what you think about the podcast. So please leave a review on my website's podcast page or iTunes, or Podbean. Um, and if you have any questions, you can always send me an email, karen at barebonesyoga.com. So thank you so, so much for listening, and I can't wait to hear from you, and looking forward to chatting with you again on the Bare Bones Yoga Podcast, Conversations for Yoga Teachers. See you next time.